Hi ladies, you're listening to The Goodness Podcast. My name is Noor Tahini. I'm the co-founder of Goodness and I'll be your host today. Goodness was launched in 2018 as a platform dedicated to tackling topics surrounding women's health in a real and honest way. And we're continuing on that mission with the launch of this podcast series, which will feature real women and real stories from the Middle East. My guests on the podcast today are Reem and Natalia Kanj, the Dubai-based sisters behind the talent management company Ego and East. They're joining me for an honest discussion around Instagram and its impact on mental health and behaviors. Side note, even while we're all stuck at home, we wanted to keep bringing you valuable content. So this episode of the podcast was recorded over Zoom from the floor of my bedroom. So please bear with the sound quality. Thank you. Hi, Rima and Natalia. Hi. Very synchronized. <laughs> no, we do that a lot. It annoys us as much as I'm sure it annoys other people. Yeah, sometimes our dad can't even tell the difference. How are you guys doing? Good, just trying to get through this crazy time. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm personally loving it, so I can't really complain. I mean, obviously the circumstances could be better, but it's, it kind of feels like a guilt-free vacation. I was talking to someone about this and I was telling her how much I'm enjoying the time to like go inside. And I said, my, my skin, my home, my life has never been this clean. And she said to me, you don't have children. And I, was, and I realized how different the experience is for different yeah. people. Yeah, for sure. And I think discussing it openly is, is hard to do because, of course, it's subjective to everyone's personal circumstance and I I work for myself Natalia obviously works for us we work for ourselves so it's easier for us to understand that it's completely out of our hands and we're just going with the flow but I couldn't imagine what it was like if you lost your job or like you said if you have kids you know so it's a very sensitive subject and navigating discussing it has not been super easy I, I, I totally see that. But at the end of the day, everyone's experience is personal to, the, you know, yeah. everyone's experience is their own. And you do the best with what, you, with what you're given and you do the best with the situation you're in. Exactly. I think as long as everyone's trying to take something um, positive out of this or turn it into a positive in some way, that's, that's the main Agreed. Goal. Agreed. So ladies, thanks so much for, for joining me today. It's really good to have you on the podcast. And this is a topic that I've been wanting to tackle for, for quite some time now. And I think that the two of you are the perfect women to speak to this about, not only because of how long you've been in the game, but also because of the work that you do with Ego and East, which we'll tackle later on. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. The first thing I wanted to ask you was sort of like to get that out of the way. How do you feel about the word influencer? Is that a word that has any negative connotations for you or is it completely just a very neutral word to describe someone who makes a living off social media? I mean, I think I'm going to speak for the both of us when I say we're both not so keen on the word influencer. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I feel like I disagree slightly. Yeah, because I, I feel, yes, it's extremely broad to be describing anyone who has an Instagram profile and a following and potentially makes money from advertising products, an influencer. However, people who are influencing your decisions, whether that be positively or negatively, is an influencer. So yes, it describes it. Does it describe everyone? No. No. Which is frustrating because I feel like 
this industry is so new and the and the word has changed mm. i mean we've all been we've known you Nora, for like i don't know how many years now mm. if i say a decade it's going to make us all sound really old so <laughs> i'll avoid that but we've all known each other for a really long time and when we started it was blogger and then it was like mm-hmm. You know, micro blogger, micro blogger, <laughs> macro blogger, YouTuber, this like Vine person, like it's it's had so many labels and content creator, digital creator, like it's it's very it's a touchy subject. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, like when we when we used to have a blog, one of the most influential bloggers was Susie Lau, who had what was her blog called again? She's oh. Susie Bubble, right? Susie Bubble, exactly. Yeah. And I remember her really just dis- not disliking the word blogger to describe who she was. And I guess it's because at that point it became so generic that anyone with a website was giving themselves that label that she had essentially started that whole wave. So mm-hmm. she wanted to be seen as a journalist or a writer or, you know, a critic, a fashion critic or whatever. So I think throughout the times it's always had a, like a bit of a stigma, no matter what the label is. But at the end of the day, if you are on social media, whether you have 15 followers or a million, if you are influencing someone to eat better or to shop at a certain store or to exercise more daily or whatever, you are technically an influencer. So mm. really it's not the name that bothers me on what they, you know, apply to these people. It's, whether or not someone is actually influencing you that's what i want to know mm. you know yeah and i think a lot of the as you said Susie bubble was also a writer and a fashion critic and i think a lot of the people who fall under the influencer umbrella these days are more than that because a lot of them have their own brands and a lot of them have their own companies so they're also entrepreneurs and they're also perhaps writers or filmmakers or musicians exactly how long have you both been in the business. I don't know if you could call it the business. I'm not talking about ego and ease. I mean, like how long have you, when did you start the blog? Let's say. 2009. 2009. Remind yeah. me what it was called. It was called Bye Bye Fabulous. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> and um, it started off as like a faceless fashion news website. And we would write stories five times a day. It was, it was very active. It was, you know, we utilized social media really well back then to like use Twitter and Facebook. Mm. Instagram wasn't really a thing to promote our stories. And I remember specifically like getting a press release from a PR, writing up a really cool story about it and then having it up before like Vogue.com. And then the PRs would be so like impressed that they'd email me. I remember getting my first ever exclusive and they were like, you're getting this two hours before we send it out. And I would rush to write the story. And it was just this amazing high and this feeling of, I can't believe we've created our own roles, you know, because we started the blog. Well, I started the blog before Natalia joined, but it was mainly because when I graduated, there was no opportunity. So it was... Mm really my own attempt at giving myself the job I eventually wanted. But to see what has happened from that has been incredible. Like to ride that wave has been so much fun. At what point on the journey did Instagram start to overtake the blog in terms of how important it was to content, to your content creation? I remember the day that I realized I might be missing the boat on Instagram because I was a BlackBerry user for so long. We both were. Mm. And you couldn't have the app on a BlackBerry. And Blackberries were like 
the way you survived back then. <laughs> like doing, yeah. yeah, BBM, doing emails, like Blackberries were essential. Um, and I really didn't want to switch to an iPhone. So I remember exactly where I was. I was at a Christopher Kane show during London Fashion Week. One of my friends who was a huge, I wouldn't call her a blogger, but she had this incredible website. What did it call it? It was like something that, that fashion, her name was Catherine and she had, the website still exists. I need to check it up. But okay. um, she had just come back from New York Fashion Week and she was like, Instagram is the new thing. It's happening. Like, it's so cool. Have you seen it? I was like, I've heard of it, but like, I've, you know, and it had been around for about a year, I think, mm. but I still wasn't giving it any time of day. And after she said it, I, I then started hearing other people talk about it. And I was like, maybe it's time to like make the switch. But even then, no one really knew how to utilize it as a personal page. It was more like a Facebook. You know, you would just share your food or cute flowers in London. Like it wasn't, yeah. a, it wasn't something to, it wasn't a tool to bring, build a brand from yeah. back then. Yeah. It wasn't a personal branding tool the way that Not it is yet. now. Yeah. And how have you noticed, how have both of you noticed the evolution of the platform since the early days? So since you joined it, I don't know when, it, I remember I joined in 2012 Summer 2012 was when I opened my Instagram account. Yeah, I think that was the same. Yeah, I think the same. Like That's when it kind of got popular, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I actually remember it was that that year was the year I went on this amazing press trip. It was like a tour with Rihanna. And I was taking pics and posting them on Instagram. And I was on tour with Rihanna, like on a private plane mm. going to different Whoa. cities around the world. Like my content... I, I always say if I was using Instagram properly back then, my, my page probably would have blown up because I was getting incredible pictures and I just never thought, let me post this on Instagram. So it still hadn't hit me. But now I think the evolution of it, it went from being a very personal thing to being a very like well edited mm. reality. Yeah, mm. I remember I used to be so particular over the type of content I would put up and if it went with my feed and I would use other apps just to make sure that the image went with the other images and mm. I'm curating so carefully and now I I just post whatever I want and I don't really care. Yeah, I think it's done almost like a 180. It yeah. went from starting off as like a personal like photo album. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. To being extremely curated and very well edited and beautifully put together and the feed is a gallery and blah, blah, blah. To now, personally, I don't edit my pictures. I actually prefer like the original iPhone photo feel and look. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't check if it goes with my feed. I, I almost want it to look like that scrapbook again. So yeah. I feel like it's on a bit of a 180. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Like now I'd rather post a blurry picture of something that's perfectly shot yeah yeah I we've noticed that sort of 180 or that return to something that is more authentic and everything even in the way that magazines are shooting the editorial picture I remember exactly. it being conversation that we had when I was still at Savoir Flair but when Instagram first started you're right it was so it was much more fun back then I think it was literally posting whatever you felt like posting it was a photo of you and your friends it was just yeah. beautiful or beautiful moments didn't necessarily have to be aesthetically pleasing Right. It was moments you wanted to remember. And then something happened, something changed. I think when the game became a little bit more serious and everyone's feed was like filtered to perfection. Mm -hmm. I remember I loved your re your feed, Reem. There was like a, it always had this like orange hue to it. 
Oh yeah, that was the C8 days on Visco. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone was on Visco. Everyone had like matching filters across the uh, across all of their photos. Yeah. And then now it's kind of gone back to this like yeah. grainy, grainy is cool kind of feel. Exactly. Yeah. But I also think when Instagram uh, was acquired by Facebook and the algorithm was changed, that kind of it killed it for me. And I felt very out of control and it it almost snapped me back into reality and reminded me that this isn't my platform. <laughs> you know, it's my page, but it's not my platform. There's a company that has access to all these images. They control who sees it, when they see it. And if God forbid, like they decide to shut down, this isn't mine to keep, mm -hmm. you know? So I love how I say God forbid, because it's literally become like <laughs> that kind of like fear for a lot of people. Like, And that's kind of around the time when Ego and East was born because we realized like, even with the blog, like anything can happen. You know, you can be hacked, you can be shut down, you could be mm. irrelevant at any point, or you could personally just not care anymore. So that's when we realized, okay, this is not in our hands and we need to have like some kind of plan B. And I, I, I fear that a lot of people don't remember that. They don't remember that this isn't your brand like it's a reflection of your brand but it isn't yours to keep so don't fall too in love with the followers and the likes and the impressions you know mm. what I mean mm. was there ever a time when you guys sort of lost, lost track of that and fell in love with the followers and the likes and allowed it to get to you has has social media ever had that kind of impact on your mental health um I mean for me personally yes it definitely got to a point where I felt like it became a little bit too out of control in terms of how consumed I was by it. I actually took a, a nice little break from it. I deleted the app for, I think, a good month. Um, and I just took, I just didn't go on Instagram for a month and it felt honestly amazing. <laughs> I, and I remember people would DM me and say, is everything okay with your sister? Yeah. She's not on Instagram. And I would respond to them and say, it's funny how you say, is everything okay? Relax, like everything is perfect because yeah. she's not on social media. You know what I mean? So they would, I think people's perceptions, rightly so, because it's just the world we live in, have become so that if you aren't sharing, something is wrong. Yeah. And yeah. I found that incredibly interesting. The psychology behind that is very interesting because why do we assume something is wrong if we're not sharing our life? What if we're just getting on with our life and we want to keep it to ourselves and we don't really want to share it? Yeah. But to answer your question, I personally still struggle with it. And I feel like it, you'd be lying if you said you didn't daily feel attached to the, you know, either the reactions you're getting, whether they're positive or negative and feeling like you're not doing enough or feeling like, you know, when you do give, you love the attention that you get back and the reaction that people are having. And, you know, you feel like you're affecting someone in a positive way and that feeds your ego and your soul you know, whether it's negative or positive, I think social media is always affecting someone. And I'm very aware of that. I'm very grateful for your honesty, both of you, because this is a topic that's very close to my heart as well. I took a one year Instagram break. I think it I was. Remember. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And <laughs> I remember crazy. being so jealous of you. How was it? <laughs> it was amazing. It was really, really, really nice. And 
to your point, Natalia, people used to ask Hale, who's my co-founder on Goodness, but also was my colleague on Savoir Flair. I was still at Savoir Flair at the time. And they would they would ask her, is Noor okay? Is she going through a divorce? Is she pregnant? Like the stories that they would come up with were hilarious. And she keep telling me, she's like, please, I need to put you on my stories just for five minutes, just so you can explain to the world that you're fine. You haven't lost your mind. You're still with your husband. You're not having you're not pregnant with a baby. Um, but it was for me, it got to a point where I, I literally had to take myself off of the platform because I became so attached to the feedback that I was getting. And my the problem, I think, for me was my self-esteem became completely attached to the platform. So the more likes I got, the better I felt. The fewer likes I got, the, I didn't feel good. And, and then I think it all changed, as you were saying, when the Instagram algorithm, when the new algorithm came in. So when mm-hmm. Instagram started deciding who sees your photos and who doesn't, all of a sudden this like fun platform where you could post anything and your followers would see it started to reward a very specific type of behavior. And you mm-hmm. felt like you had to comply. Um, right. And I think that's what that's when it kind of started to affect me most and I just I was like okay I'm gone and it was only supposed to be a week break I went to Ibiza and I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna close my Instagram while I was in Ibiza and I think I just I just didn't go come back to it for over a year yeah that's amazing and I have friends especially guy friends like my brother for example is 21 right yeah and he is he should be part of that generation that is obsessed with social media but he just could not care less and I envy him sometimes and just think like what do you mean you go to a festival and you don't post anything like I don't get it like what do you how are people gonna know (laughs) yeah and I'm like I don't get how you can like you know because everything I do it's like second nature to feel compelled to share it and not because I'm an attention seeker or I feel like it's super informative or very educational. It's just habit now. Like it's just become my habit. We were having a conversation about this the other day. We were saying it's so strange how we just, no matter what we're doing, I mean, okay, yeah, it does matter what we're doing, but the majority of the time we just pick up our phone and we just start filming. Even if it's the meal we're about to have or the sunrise or the sunset or the, yeah. <laughs> the walk that we decided to go on Kite Beach, we're just, you know, filming. And we were saying, how, how, how does it feel to not, to be one of those people that don't share, share everything? Yeah. And I can't remember, we didn't actually end, finish the conversation. No, we we but I think I started the story. <laughs> yeah. But I think we're just so used to it at this point. We've been doing it for so long. It doesn't feel like you're exposing yourself anymore. It's just the norm. Yeah. Mm. However, we do make conscious efforts to limit it. So for example, when we go on walks or drives, we leave our phones at home sometimes. Or, you know, if if I'm traveling, I try not to story every single thing. There are there are several cool things I do that I never show because also Khalas, like you want to keep things for you sometimes. You know, mm. one of the best experiences that we both ever had, I think, was when we went to Botswana two years ago and we literally went to spend a week in the bush and we had zero contact with the world. Even if we wanted, we couldn't. We had zero contact with the world. We couldn't even message our parents to tell them that we landed safely and we couldn't post anything. And we were there having this insane, unforgettable experience and we couldn't post anything in real time. And I remember when we finished, we went to Cape Town and we arrived at our hotel and it was the first time we were about to have Wi-Fi. And I was, I said to Reem, I'll always remember this. I was like, I'm so scared to go back to that world because I honestly had 
such an amazing time and I will never forget that feeling of just being so I just felt so free you know and I, I I was there having this insane experience and it just felt incredible to not have to share anything and to people don't know where you are and what you're doing and I was just I was genuinely scared to go back online like that was the feeling I had it was I was just fearful I think there's a lot of anxiety around Instagram and around that as well like I've, I I know what you're talking about Natalia and I felt it before But isn't it weird that I remember exactly what trip you guys are talking about? <laughs> exactly. This is what, that's, yeah. also, that's also for me, that's like a beautiful thing. Mm. You know, I, I, I am thankful for, for, I think you're probably going to ask this question. So I'll actually hold off until you do. I don't want to like preempt your. What um, is it? Just in case I don't ask it. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think a lot of the, the mental health issues that come with social media are how the individual adopts the platform mm. and and for me personally after realizing how negative it can be I've shifted my use of it to please my mental health and if you don't take advantage of knowing that you have that power that only you can control whether this affects you negatively or positively because here, like either way the information and the content is there whether you like it or not you're going to see pictures of girls that you will never look like mm. pictures of bodies that you will never have because that's just genetic you know or it's plastic surgery or whatever the case is or pictures of couples that you know are traveling around the world that you can't do you're always going to find something somewhere when i was a teenager mm. we didn't have social media What we had was MTV and music videos. And that was where, it, looking back, I realized my anxiety first stemmed from music videos because these girls, and I'm speaking specifically about like Mariah Carey, for example, I would watch her music videos and I would think, my skin is not that shiny. My skin is not that smooth. My hair is not like this. And that was my first dose of unattainable beauty and it was also coupled with you know the magazines and the fashion models and the photoshop do you remember like when we were kids and that was the first time we could relate to mm -hmm. some kind of mental health anxiety relating to celebrities or unattainable beauty yeah. lifestyle so it was it was that kind of so it's always there regardless of what platform you're getting it from This unattainable life is always there and it's up to you to decide how you view it. You know what I mean? Um, my therapist said to me once, actually she didn't say it to me, she said it at a talk that she was hosting and I was there. But she said the difference is back then, if you think to the time of our parents, there were few celebrities and they were, it was like Ava Gardner, Marlon Monroe. They weren't people that you related to. They were, they were these huge celebrities that were so far removed from your day-to-day -day life that... It's, it's not that you wanted to be them. You kind of admired them for who they were and that was it. But today, your neighbor is a celebrity on Instagram or the right. girl you went to school with. So the feeling is, why her and not me? Why couldn't right. it be me? Which I think wasn't so prevalent when you looked at celebrities a generation ago. Right. And so that's This, kind of changed the game as well. That has definitely changed the game. But again, you, when you are really focusing on feeding yourself with good positive information all the time whether it's from books tv or social media you realize that the term celebrity now is so broad 
And yes, your neighbor could literally be an Instagram celebrity, but what are they famous for? And it's not just because they have followers, it's probably because they are offering something that is unique. You know, whether you choose to see it or not, like we have clients who mm. <clears throat> I know deal with a lot of like stigma of, but what are you famous for? And I'm not gonna speak on their behalfs and I know that they could defend them their, their sense of fame much better than I could, but they are definitely famous for something. And the reason is not because they have 2 million followers on Instagram. The reason they acquired 2 million followers on Instagram, for example, is because they offer something that no one else is offering. Unique. Yeah. You know what I mean? They didn't just open Instagram and have 2 million followers. They have built that for a reason. And if people have chosen to follow people, it's because they're offering something that they like. So again, I think the way you view the platform and the way you use it will heavily affect whether it's negative or positive in your life. And I had to personally do like a huge edit on who I follow and who is serving me in a positive way. So that's number one. Like I unfollowed a bunch of people, followed a bunch of new people. I use social media to stay in touch with friends, which is so useful. I'm obsessed with the close friends list that you can create on stories because I feel like when I share on my close friends, that's like a whole other platform for me. And it's so much more fun because it's kind of like having a private Instagram account. And I, I, I use Instagram to save quotes, beautiful architecture, artwork, travel destinations that I want to go to. So you can really use it to feed you in such great ways. And it doesn't have to be scary. Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. There are definitely some incredible incredible aspects to social media and the way that it connects us and the way that it brings us inspiration etc I think as you said it's about how you use it but it's very at the same time it, it is very and I think we've all been honest about this it's easy to fall into this rabbit hole where mm -hmm. your self-esteem bec becomes attached to it and you start to compare yourself to others and why her not me etc I was wondering have has Instagram ever brought up any body image issues in either of you yes yeah <laughs> every day i i will truly admit that like as much as i know personally that a lot of young women or older women or whatever women my age they look up to me for 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 healthy body image Content, and, yeah and i'm very grateful for that and i and i hope to continue down that road road but that is also something that stops me from going crazy and being like, oh, maybe I'll go and get like liposuction or mm. ass fillers or get a breast lift or whatever, because I feel like it's every individual's responsibility who is sharing their body on social media. And I do, I post pictures in bikinis, I share my workouts, I share my diet plan. I feel like if I was to go off and do something that was not in the natural realm, then I would be offering a message that was the opposite of what I would want to see. And when I look at Kylie Jenner, for example, I'm like, no, like, it's not fair. Like, it's not real. Like, it's uh, why, you know, maybe I can just go and do that and get this and do, and even Facetune. Like, I refuse to Facetune my body because, like, even if no one knew that I did it, I would be devastated if I found out that someone I looked up to who had a, a beautiful body, in my opinion, was faking it. I would be devastated. So I could never do that personally. And 
and also I know you, Natalia, have like shared your real mm. body so much, even when you felt really self-conscious about it. Like when you posted that amazing picture of you on the beach and it had like rolls. I remember that photo. And that was an amazing photo. Thank you. That was actually, I think, one of my, my most popular or my most liked images. I think the most liked image yeah. actually from all of them. Rightly so. But I always find like, if you're keeping it, you know, real, then people will find, like, they'll relate to you. And especially with me over the past two years, I've had my own personal journey with, um, actually from when I posted that image, that was when I actually lost a lot of weight because of some health issues. And then I ended up putting all the weight back on and more. And I had never been more depressed in my life, uh, not just because of that, just because of other issues. And I ended up putting on maybe 12 kilos since then. And it's been actually exactly one year of my journey of just trying to go back to my normal self. I've been sharing my journey. I'm getting, you know, a lot of questions and just people DMing me saying, you're inspiring me. And it makes me feel like, okay, even if I'm out there just inspiring one person, it makes me feel really happy. And it makes me realize like, okay, like I'm doing this for something, you know, like not just for myself, mm -hmm. but I'm able to share my journey and... But I think plastic surgery, for example, has become such a norm that no one really questions it anymore. And on Instagram, because you can face tune as well, it's like you just don't know what's real and what's not real. And as a 30, I'm turning 33 in a few weeks, I'm, I, I would consider myself very self-confident, high self-esteem. Well, I'd hope I can. I think my sister would disagree because <laughs> I complain about it so much, but... I do think I'm a confident person, strong woman, intellectual enough to understand that beauty fades and, you know, looks fade. And that's not really what matters about who you are. And I still feel so self-conscious. I always say to him, I mean, I'm 30 and sometimes I do go down this little dark hole and I'm like looking at other women and admiring their bodies and their faces. And I end up feeling a little bit bad about myself sometimes and I say to Reem I'm 30 I wonder what this is doing to you know the 30 younger girls. girls yeah it's crazy but that's that's also a really good boost to keep sharing a real vision with people and I think that's why I mean it took me so long to pluck up the courage to like start doing these IGTVs that I'm doing and I would record these videos and I was like I'm not posting this like I hate the way this looks I hate the way that looks and then I was like, you know what? No one is looking at that. Because yeah. I would go on <laughs> girls' pages that I admired and they'd be posting IGTVs and they're not exactly Kendall Jenner. And I didn't care. I admired them and I found them beautiful. And, and I probably don't know. I don't notice. She comes to me and she'll be like, does one eye look bigger than the other? I'm like, are you actually <laughs> joking right now? Just post it. <laughs> Yeah, that's the hardcore truth for you. <laughs> but I think people really relate to just being real. Another one of my top liked images was a, a picture I posted of my face with no makeup on. And I think people just love relating to something that's so real. And I think, I don't know, I always try and keep it real. I think we both do at this point because they can see through the filter. And also and there's enough like perfection exactly. on Instagram, you know? Yeah, I think people are, people are hungry for honesty and someone's honest journey. Right. You said something, uh, Reem, I think it was Reem or Unita, I can't remember. You said that 
you want to post something but you're self-conscious oh it was you Reem. you're self-conscious about your your eye or your face so you end up not posting it one of my mm. best friends she uses instagram as a way to get over insecurities so let's say she's insecure about i don't know her painting she mm. paints she posts it she's insecure mm-hmm. about her her face or the way that her mouth looks when she talks she'll film a video and she posts it and she just uses it to kind of get over that barrier that's keeping her feeling bad about herself so I think that is also an interesting way to use the platform to kind of work through your own insecurities for sure and I've been practicing that and the more I the more I post the less I see those flaws Mm -hmm. and it's it's an amazing thing to do it's liberating and you feel so much better because the the feedback you're getting is not even anywhere near the the pointing out of the insecurities no one is ever going to do that and but it goes both ways by the way because sometimes like you said you you don't want to post anything that's going to make anyone feel bad about themselves right Hmm. but sometimes I have a fear that I only ever want to share good things and I don't really feel like social media should be a place where I you know you're negative or you're complaining or you're ranting I don't believe in that I, I feel like that's just sharing negative energy I try my hardest in my everyday life not to even complain to my friends or my sister because I don't want to put it out there I'd like for that to be buried and gone and not given any life so social media for sure I'm not going to like go on a story and rant about this this and this and sometimes I feel like maybe people don't want to see someone that's you know super positive and training every day and reading a million books a year and for example in a, in a sense and i worry i'm like do people think that I i'm exactly do you know what i mean, mean? like yeah. i don't want people to feel like you know who does she think she is like she's training every day that's unrealistic but actually in my life it's very realistic and it's mm. my sense of therapy and sometimes i hold back like especially now with this isolation thing it was really getting to me because I felt this shift in energy and it was a shift to the negative side. And not just for the first time in my social media life, I was getting a lot of negative DMs and comments. There was another one that was um, not directed to me, but I would see people slamming other people online on comments. And someone I really look up to who lives in LA, this girl called Pia, she even in her caption put like enough with the negativity. And I was like, wow, okay. So it's not just me feeling this, like it's a collective shift. And I think it's because there's a mass sense of fear right now all across the planet because of what's happening. So people are, you know, the way they're reacting to that fear is by being negative. So it started to affect me and I decided I'm turning off my phone. It doesn't matter what you're posting or what you do. There's always going to be people who don't like it. If you're sharing your success or if you're sharing, it could be it could be simply like um, someone posting that they, their article was recently published on a website or that they yeah. received an award or that whatever it is, there's always going to be people who will maybe feel bad about where they are in their lives because of that. But I don't think that, that should stop you from celebrating your wins. Yeah, for sure. I mean... But there are, you know, there, there are, like I said, following accounts that make you feel good, realizing that likes don't matter. You know, I, yeah. I for example, I, if I post a picture of, if I post a quote, it will probably get 600 likes and 1200 saved. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. 
I know that double the amount of people actually resonated with this and saved it for future use or future reference, which is way more important than how many likes it publicly receives. I don't care anymore about things like that. So my, my mentality on social media has shifted. My idea of what is influential has completely shifted, mm -hmm. mainly because of my personal experience. And we represent, we run a company that represents digital talent and they can have anywhere from 15,000 followers to millions of followers. One of our girls has 4 million followers and the smallest account has 3,000 or mm. something. But <laughs> if we see potential and prospect in someone, we're gonna represent them. And, but personally speaking, I, I see the influence I personally have on people because I'm reading the DMs and I'm getting the messages and I'm getting the, you know, the, the feedback. And I don't have a huge account. You know, and my light, my pictures don't get hundreds of thousands of likes. So I know that likes and following and all of these things don't matter. If you resonate with someone, then you're influential. And if you feel that you have any kind of influence over anyone, you have a responsibility to talk about things that are important, to talk about the fact that our climate is in crisis or you know, that there's a fire happening in Australia and maybe if our actions on this side of the world affect it, then we can do these to change it. Or how mental health is super important to your physical health. Like all of these things should be addressed in some way, shape or form, whether you want to like do it black and white like that, or you just want to be an addition to this world that is super positive. And you don't necessarily even need to talk about any of those things, but what you're sharing online is always something that's happy and positive and nice that when people view it, they feel good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there's no rules, but I don't think we should be adding negativity to this already very scary platform, basically. <laughs> are you guys looking forward to the update where likes are no longer visible? I wouldn't say looking forward to it because I have no idea what it's going to do um, for our clients, but I do think it's important that social media is recognizing that these ridiculous things such as how many likes a picture gets is affecting young people you know in a negative way mentally older and they're people too it. yeah and older people yeah <laughs> they're addressing it and i think that's important social media has become such a staple in our lives and it is one of the biggest causes for depression and so i think it's very important that Facebook recognizes that and are taking, you know, the appropriate measures to, to solve this issue. Who knows if it's actually going to help? I mean, I personally, I don't know. I don't know what. I think it will definitely have a positive impact for sure. Yeah. I don't know what the um, answer is. I know that personally, if everyone takes responsibility for the content they consume, then they will probably not be affected by these things. But if you're following people or accounts that make you feel inferior but it's not just that it's you know how many likes you get on a post basically defines you in a way or people yeah. take that as you know this mm. is like how like am i worth am i worthy enough yeah it's sad but that is the reality we live in i guess yeah you touched upon Ego and East, which is the company that you founded together, and it's a, you called it a digital talent management company, correct? Mm -hmm. So, how many how many women do you represent through Ego and East? We represent 15, 15 talents, uh, men and women, men as well, 
Yeah, just a okay. couple of guys. And yeah, like I said, we kind of have a very close relationship with all of them because they're all handpicked. Mm. Like it's not, it's not a huge roster of talents and that's mainly because natalia and i you talk about it i mean we we just like to be very selective over who it is that we represent um and it goes beyond their digital platforms um we always like to have an end goal when it comes to their brand and what they've built so far and okay it's great we can capitalize on the platform that they've already built um, but our first question whenever we sign someone is where do you see yourself beyond Instagram? Mm. Yeah, we believe very much in content to commerce. And a lot of people we look up to are people like Huda Katan, Emily Wise, mm. you know, people that started off on social media, but built brands and entered the marketplace. And I think that's an incredible thing to achieve because like we said, you know, we try and use our story to inspire them. Like we started off on on blogging and social media, but we ended up having a business that took us outside of that world, which in case one day you are sick of, or you no longer have relevance, which is a very real thing, then at least you have built a business for yourself. Because how sad is it gonna be in like 15 years when these Instagram models and these Instagram famous people have nothing? <laughs> you Remember know, Vine? No yeah, exactly. When Vine shut down, all these people who had millions of followers on Vine, are nowhere to be found now unless they manage to take their brand beyond the platform exactly and i know that so many people are like, oh tiktok is the new thing and tiktok this person has 30 million followers i'm like i get i'm weary about things like that like yes it's the new thing and it's the new platform and now that you know isolation has happened every celebrity under the realm of celebrity has joined it which is mm. great for the platform but these these things are scary like you don't want to rely on, even if you have a business, it's not smart to rely on just one revenue stream, right? You always look for different opportunities to bring in revenue. So why are you relying on social media fame to cater to your career? Like it's not gonna happen mm -hmm. forever. And we remind everyone that, whether they have millions of followers or thousands of followers, we always tell them, you need to think of content to commerce, whether it's a brand, whether it's a book, whether it's anything, use your platform for good, capitalize on it as much as you can in terms of this is a platform I'm building to eventually start my brand, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. I think if you're smart enough, that will happen. Yeah. And that's really what we want to cultivate at Ego and East, just growth, organic growth, collaboration, good energy and positivity. Just to bring it back to mental health, your, the women that you work with and the guys that you work with who have ranging from millions of followers to thousands of followers, do you ever talk to them about mental health, of the impact of the platform on, on mental health? Do they open up to you about what's happening? What is the general sort of consensus there? I mean, they definitely open up. We'll get phone calls sometimes at 1 a.m. and a client is crying over something, um, a bad comment or you know, just a bit of bullying. Um, and we're always there for them. We, we don't necessarily talk about mental health. I, I think everyone that is basically signed with us and on Instagram is very comfortable with their position on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't affect them negatively to the point where it's like a mental health issue. However, we definitely have to, there's one client in particular who I love and they and I always have deep conversations about, you know, where they're at and, 
if they're comparing themselves to other people. And I'm always giving them a bit of a kick up the ass. Like, remember who you are. I don't care if you lose 50,000 followers tomorrow. Like you are still talented. You are still this, you are still that. Because when you see that someone is offering more than just cool content, when they actually have a skill set, which is hopefully who we always sign is someone who actually has a skill set, then don't worry about it, you know, because like we've just been saying, you could be relevant today and irrelevant tomorrow, but if you genuinely have a talent, you are going to make it any, any, in any platform, in any realm, anywhere. So we like to just support them by reminding them that they're an individual that has something to offer, whether or not someone has come up really quickly and beat them to the punch or whatever it is. So yeah, we definitely have open conversations with our talents and it's a very family style of working. We're very close to them. Mm. I think like you said, comparison is, it's probably one of the main, it's probably one of the hardest things about the platform. It encourages comparison. Yeah. Um, I've also found that supporting, okay, this is another one, supporting people you are ashamed to be threatened by, not even ashamed, but let's say secretly threatened by, because yeah. not a lot of people want to admit that they're threatened by someone. Um, and it doesn't need to be like threatened in a super negative way. It could be almost like a very healthy competitive way, mm-hmm. but f- supporting them is fundamental in your personal growth. And that's something that I try and practice. Like I try and support everyone because there's room for everyone. And I love that. And doing that really eradicates this jealousy or fear of, of them beating you to something. It eradicates it. And you also almost realize like as friends together or com- as you know, colleagues in this weird industry that we're in, if you can call ourselves colleagues, but we're all kind of in the same field, right? And we're all working with the same people, the same clients, mm-hmm. the same brands. We're essentially teammates. So supporting one another, especially women, is very important and it can very quickly eradicate this false sense of fear of that person. So it's something Natalia and I really try and pioneer is this like constant support of other women and other people who are doing the same thing, basically. And I guess I would I would end this with one last question for you guys, which is what would be your message to young girls who are looking at your accounts, who are looking at the accounts of some of the women that you work with and that you represent and thinking, I want to do that. I want to be an influencer. I think I would say, like, just stay true to yourself. And I would say, what do you want to influence? Because like we discussed at the beginning of this podcast, influencer is someone who influences you. It's not a job title. You know, it's, it's really not. It's just a label for, for an influential person. But you can't define it. Exactly. But that's what I mean. A lot of people are like, I don't want to go to university. I'm going to start an Instagram. I'm going to buy 15 Chanel bags and take pictures of my outfits and become an influencer. Mm. And I'm like, what is that? I can't tell you who does that. You know, like I can tell you Camilla Coelho is known for her beauty tutorials and the fact that she's super fit and has businesses. I can tell you that, you know, I'm not going to start naming names because then we're just going to go off on a completely different road. But everyone who has made it as a so-called influencer is not famous just for having Instagram followers. Mm -hmm. So you need to remember that that's not the goal. The goal is I want to be a public speaker. I want to be a published author and I'm going to use this platform 
to help me get there, you know? And I think I would like to ask them, what does an influence, what do you want to influence in? Mm -hmm. And then that might help them realize what their talents are and what they're good at. Otherwise, they're just going to be disappointed because there will always be someone out influencing you, you know, like always. If you don't have a, a goal or an actual line that you're following, then then you're just generic. And that that general place that you sit in is too wide and there's too much competition and everyone is fighting for, some, for something that they don't know they have or want mm-hmm. or see. So it's going to get messy. I, I, I would add one last thing, which is something that we touched on earlier in the podcast, but there's a lot of talk around the negative impact of social media on people's mental health. And it's very true. And I've lived it firsthand and you've lived it firsthand as well. But I think that if we manage to look past that and use the platform as a platform for inspiration, as a platform for connection, there is a lot of good that we can get there. And and we can and it's easy to get hung up on the negative aspects of the platform. But it would be nice or it is nice to see when people manage to shift the conversation around it. Thank you so much, ladies. It was so good having you on the podcast. Thank you, Nora. It was so much fun and we're excited to do another one with you, hopefully. Yes, and I hope to see you in person soon as well. Yes, Yes, oh my goodness, 100%. We're excited for that. Bye, ladies. Thank you. Bye, my love. Bye, Nora. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening today. If you're not familiar with goodness, head to www.goodness.me to access the online platform and articles and follow us at goodness on Instagram. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and share it, and we'll see you next week.